Welcome to The Slow Way, a podcast about the slow goodness of pursuing a sacred love that transforms everything, including you and me. I'm Micah Boyette, and I am a recovering frantic one, learning the goodness of rest, of prayer, and the miracle of going slow in a world that tells us our worth is found only in our speed, success, or power. In the story we tell ourselves, life feels outside of us, something we're desperately chasing. But in the quiet, I think we know what's real, that the true thing is deep down underneath the surface where love lives. And sometimes we just have to stop long enough to notice. I'm grateful you're here making space to be reminded. This is episode 45, all the ones we love gathered up into the mind of God. Let's go the slow way. I planted a tree on my dad's birthday last April and named it Little Mikey, the name my Mima called dad when she told stories of his childhood. How she didn't care whether or not he wanted to practice that violin of his. Little Mikey sat himself down for 30 minutes a day and played, thanks to her. He also learned the value of hard work on his paper route, even though his feet couldn't even touch the floor when he sat down at the table. She always assured me when she wasn't insisting that she toilet trained her babies at three months old, and I should too, that all my dad's talents and goodness came from her mothering success. She was a piece of work and lovely. I adored Mima for all the reasons she made us roll our eyes. Her confidence was something I strive for still. My mom joked in those last hours of my dad's life that when she told him it was okay to go and that Mima would be waiting for him, she realized that maybe that wasn't the best motivation for letting go. We were sure Mima had a long list of chores for him around her heavenly mansion and a few lectures he would need to sit through. My dad and I spent the long night of Mima's dying together, both of us sitting in her room in chairs on the side of her bed, telling stories and sometimes singing songs. That was only two years and two months before I would help usher my dad to the end. Too soon for him. I would have loved to see my dad as a bent over elderly man telling stories we'd never heard and fiddling with tools like his dad had done in his final years. Losing my dad in his early 70s feels like a true waste. I haven't made peace with that yet. I know he lived longer than so many others who also deserved more time, but still. I wanted to see him shuffle, and I wanted to laugh at his irreverent old man jokes. I wanted my boys to see him grow old. I wanted him to see them grow up. The tree I planted, little Mikey, has weeping branches. And in the spring, bright pink blossoms. It's a tender tree still and will be for a while, held steady by a piece of wood that travels with the three-inch trunk all the way to the soil. I talk to little Mikey sometimes, not like a tell it all my secrets kind of way, but just as a friend. I remind little Mikey about the season and tell it about my garden 
Sometimes I just say hi and give it a pet. When the pink blossoms turned to big green leaves, I told it how proud I was. It's no small thing to make a body full of leaves out of nothing. When Papa died, my dad called me. I had just been with dad a couple of days before, and even though we had been losing Papa for a while, my dad was overwhelmed by grief. His dad was his hero, and probably, I realized later, his best friend. If Mima was a piece of work, Papa was the one making love-filled jokes about her antics in the corner. We all needed him and his big bass voice and his lips that could whistle any song in the world. Papa was the man my dad modeled himself after. Gentle, stable, patient, creative. My dad's skill with drawing came from Papa and all our skill for storytelling was straight from Papa's DNA. I never met Papa's mom, Love, but if I had been given a girl baby, I had plans to offer her that old-fashioned and worthy name for Papa's sake. When Papa died, my dad was there with him. He called me, hardly able to speak the words. I was sitting on the edge of my bed in Austin. It was five in the morning. Honestly, when September showed up this year, I wasn't thrilled for fall. Summer is my favorite, and I'm never really ready for it to close. I love swimming and feeling like the sunshine is, for the most part, on my team, pushing out life all around me. Chris loves fall. He cheers on the first cold morning, pulls out his sweaters with delight. I'm a little slower to take to the change. Little Mikey's leaves turned yellow last month. Honestly, I was a little disappointed they were yellow. Those gorgeous spring colors it sprouted convinced me that it might give me red or even orange leaves. Yellow is pretty, but not quite as vibrant as the other colors we have around Jersey in the fall. And I want little Mikey to be beautiful, to make me feel like this thing I'm growing in honor of my dad is perfect, is worthy. When I write that, I know it sounds silly, but we grieving ones don't always know where to put our love when the one we've lost has disappeared. Who can blame me for giving a little bit of that love to a tree? I haven't ever really celebrated All Souls Day. I've honored my dead in various ways, in my own mind and heart. I wear my friend Allie's sweatshirt on her birthday and on the day we lost her. I read Mima's journal she wrote to me. I tell my boys all the funny stories of Granddaddy and Papa and keep Dini's bracelet, the one I wore in my wedding, in a special box. I have one of my dad's flies he tied for his next fly fishing adventure on my vanity table and the tiny pencil he kept from childhood sharpened all the way to the eraser sits among my special things. This year, my friend Courtney joined the collection of souls I've lost from this earth. I worry about Courtney. She was my age, and her life was so hard. She left us only a few weeks after my dad died, and while I knew Mima would find her and feed her some chicken and dumplings, 
I've tended to pray that she might find some comfort from my dad. He was the right kind of gentle for her. He would sit with her and look out at the mountain stream. And maybe that's what she would need. I don't really know how to mark All Souls Day. I could take some wisdom from my Latinx siblings and make an altar. I thought about that, pouring my dad a cup of dark roast coffee and setting it next to his jig nymph fly and pencil nub, a picture of him with my boys and the two of us backpacking together when I was in college. Maybe I'll do that next year. This year, I had a writing deadline. I had youth group to lead and needed to fill the cooler with ice and drinks and get my older boys and myself to New York City. So instead, I walked over to little Mikey and found that all of its leaves had dropped, a small yellow pile in the circle of dirt. Grief, I'm learning, is less a line and more a spiral. In and out, we circle around the ones we love. We ache for them and let our hearts and bodies lean back toward our other relationships. And then we return again to find them still missing. Sarah Bessie wrote this week about how, as she has processed the loss of her friend Rachel three years ago, she's been learning to befriend her ghosts. Quote, It's eventually time to integrate the loss and the grief and trauma with the laughter and love and the gratitude, to learn to hold all of it within your soul, to become the haunted and beautiful landscape yourself. That's the shift I've felt the past few months, I guess, the metabolizing and integrating of the whole story into my body and soul. These sorts of ghosts are very patient with us. They're never in a hurry. And when it's time, it's simply time. The love of God is kind and patient towards us. There's never a rush, even for our hauntings. Our landscapes are part of how we are formed, how we view God where we live together, and so how we heal, end quote. How do we heal? On All Souls Day, all the leaves fell off right on time. I don't necessarily believe in signs, but I do believe in small graces, and this felt like one. Hi, little Mikey said. I'm here living this season with you. In one month, will mark my dad's death day. I bought my flight this week and will head to my mom's house and spend that week with my siblings, nieces, and nephews. Winter is not my favorite season, even with the delights of Christmas. As soon as the holidays move through us, we are left with months of ice and darkness and little Mikey will have to stay strong to survive the winter. I know trees know what to do with snow, but I can't help feeling protective, as if in an ideal world, I might dig his little roots up and bring him into my warm house. I read a remarkable passage from St. John of the Cross yesterday morning. It was about the soul and its union with God. Quote, So the understanding of the soul is now the understanding of God, and its will is the will of God, 
and its memory is the memory of God, and its delight is the delight of God. As much as I imagine my Mima putting my dad to work in heaven or imagine him fully himself sitting with my whole and thoughtful friend Courtney beside a mountain stream, I don't really know what I think it means to be a soul on All Souls Day. But I like to think that somehow all the ones we love are gathered up into the mind of God, so close to the divine that their memories are God's memory. Their delights are God's delight. Whether or not I ever build them that altar this year, put on Allie's sweatshirt, read one of Courtney's poems, or place delicately Dad's pencil nub on display. Whether I pull out Papa's painting, slip on Dini's bracelet, or read aloud one of Mima's childhood memories she wrote down in a journal, particularly for me. I will hold them, all of them, in the sacred space where we hold all our blessings. All those souls we carry on All Souls Day and all the days that follow, gathered up in the cloud of witnesses, the cloud that shares its understanding and will and memory with the soul of God. Here, living this season with us. A slow practice. In her book, The Cure for Sorrow, a book of blessings for times of grief, Jan Richardson offers a poem, and I'd love for us to sit with the end of it today. Whether you have a long list of souls you're holding close this week as we remember our beloved dead, or whether your list is small, I hope you'll take a moment this week to remember, to light a candle, or make a stone carn, or write some words down to mark this moment in the year. I'm only sharing a small portion of Richardson's blessing, but you can find the rest on her Instagram account. I'll share the link in my show notes. Her books are gorgeous, and if this speaks to you, I hope you'll consider any of her books, which combine poetry, liturgy, prayer, and art. Wherever you're sitting right now, I invite you to take a deep breath. And as you breathe in, imagine your loved one's face. As you breathe out, invite the presence of God to come close to them. For some of us who grew up in a tradition that looks warily on praying for the dead, it might feel strange. But know that praying for your loved one is a gift for you. And though we don't know what life looks like for those souls who share their memory with the memory of God, we can imagine that the God who loves us loves them. That the God who loves us lives outside of time where they are fully themselves as you are fully yourself. This is a mystery, but it's one we are invited to enter into. So let's spend some time with breath prayers. Breathe in. 
Imagine your loved one's face. Breathe out. Spirit, come close to and say your loved one's name. Breathe in. Imagine your loved one's face. Breathe out. Spirit, come close to. Breathe in. Breathe out. Breathe in. Breathe out. Pray this breath prayer for as long as you need. Let's close with a small portion from the end of Jan Richardson's poem, Enduring Blessing. Hear how this blessing has not come alone, how it echoes with the voices of those who accompany you. Hear how they encompass you always, breathing this blessing to you, bearing this blessing to you still. Take some time to receive the blessing you're being offered. Thanks for being here. Choosing a moment of quiet and allowing yourself to be slow here is a way of refusing to conform with the culture around us. Look at us. We're making space for a fuller vision of ourselves and others, making space for wisdom, making space for love. That, friends, is no small thing. Big thanks to Val Schleter for managing my social media. Jason Boyette for designing our slowway graphic, and the lovely Angelina Marie for editing. 
If you're interested in more words on the slow way, you can sign up for my newsletter at micaboyette.substack.com. Also, there's a new way to support my work. In addition to my free newsletter at Substack, I'm now offering a paid subscription to a twice a month more lighthearted newsletter, The Slow Seven, where you can receive a fun, descriptive list of the seven things I'm thinking about, reading, or generally delighting in. Find it at micaboyette.substack.com. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Micah Boyette and find my book found wherever books are sold. If the slow way is important to you, it would mean so much if you took the time to share this podcast with a friend or, and this is a big ask, if you could take the time to review the slow way on Apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, it helps people find us. Thanks for listening today. I'll be here next week. I hope you will too.